aren't we? And the, I think the last message that I spoke was several weeks ago was about the, and I talked about the, the person of John, the, the, you know, the one who wrote the gospel. John, who's the brother of James, the, the fisherman, the, the beloved disciple. And uh, in that message, I mentioned that he would be one of the last, he was one of the last living uh, apostles. He was the last of living apostles, and he died of an old age. And uh, some of the characteristics of John's gospel is very different to that of the, the other gospels, as you would have well known, that there's about 92% of it is unique. It's, it's, it's different because John, as he's writing and he's looking back many years after all these events occurred, and he makes the comment that if he wrote all that he was there, there wouldn't be enough books to contain all the information. But he's selected out particular items, particular information, and guided by the Holy Spirit so that we might know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and we might have life through him. And so today, we're in our Bible reading, we're going to John chapter 15. And this is only just literally hours before the Lord was going to be crucified. And if we'll just turn with me, please, to John chapter 15, and we'll read uh, from verse 1. I'm going to read the first 17 verses of this chapter to you. I am the true vine, my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy might be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I have learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give it you. This is my command. Love each other. I'm not going to read the rest of the chapter, but my main focus this morning is going to be on those first few verses. In fact, my main focus this morning is going to be on verses 9 to 17 this morning. But, you know, many of us are involved in growing things, trying to grow things. What makes some plants grow better than others? Well, I can remember many years ago when I was a teenager, I lived in a, a country area and I got a job of, uh, on a farm 
and it was helping things grow. And uh, it was a tomato farm. And they had uh, rows and rows and rows of tomato plants. And uh, to make the plants grow, they had posts between the plants and along the way there were wires that went round from either side of the post down and, they, and the idea was that the, the wires would hold up the plants. But the plants didn't grow inside the wires. They had to be, the plants had to be regularly sort of pushed under and put into, uh, behind the wires. And that was the job that I was given. Row after row after row after row of goings round. Each, and I had worked every Saturday morning doing this job and I, th I don't think they did anything. I think I was one of the few people, myself and one or two other people, had this job every week of making sure that the plants were placed behind the wires. And of course I had, this was many years ago, big rubber gloves, and those rubber gloves were black, you know, deep green and almost black with the, the colour from the plants as I had this job of co correcting and getting these plants to make sure that they were growing where they were supposed to grow. And the whole idea was to make sure that the, the plants were there and so that they were supported by the wires and so that the fruit as it grew, the, the, the tomatoes as they grew, would be supported and they wouldn't go all over the ground and get rotten. And so that was the, the job that I was given in sort of making sure that plants grow. They, they don't, plants to seem to have to grow all over the place. They need to be regularly sort of corrected and, uh, and those of you who are involved in gardening can tell me more about this. They, they don't, you know, some plants will grow, seem to grow nice and, and uh, evenly, but others seem to be all over the place, and tomatoes are particularly like that. And so today we're, we've got a, a plant illustration from the Lord. And it's, uh, it's really a, a passage, the passage is really a, a metaphor about the, the vine and the branches. And the whole idea is that uh, they wanted the plants to produce fruit. You know, you know, and that's talking about in terms of, and the Lord's talking about fruit. So just to be brief, let's go and look about, about vines, in the, that are reference to vines in the, in the Bible itself. In the Old Testament, in, Char in Psalm chapter 80, the Israelites were referred to as the vine that failed to fully honour God. And you go to Isaiah chapter 5, it talks about the vineyard again, and uh, I'll read a verse to you from Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 7. The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the house of Israel. And the men of Judah are the garden of his delight. And he looked for justice, but saw bloodshed, for righteousness, but heard cries of distress. In other words, they didn't fulfill their calling, but he's talking in terms of Israel as the, the vine of the Lord Almighty. And then you can go, and in another, there's another reference later on, talking in terms of the uh, vine as well, in Isaiah chapter 27 and verse 2. In, in Jeremiah, it talks about the Lord planting a choice vine of sound and reliable stock. But he didn't, but he, but how, how then did you turn against me into a corrupt vine? And there's some also some references in Ezekiel about the wood of the vine being useless for anything, anything at all. And also it talks about how that the vine had been uprooted and taken into captivity. And so the Lord, as he's with his disciples, as he's coming towards the, the time when he is going to be crucified, it's only hours away. He used an illustration that these people understood, but he gave some fresh meaning to it. By now, as John has written, as he's writing his gospel, the temple had been destroyed in 70 AD, and it's after this time that he's writing his gospel. And, the, and he would, the Lord would have known, the, John would have known about how that on the, the, the gates of Jerusalem, the gates, the, the gates of the, in Jerusalem, there was a, a big golden vine 
He would have also understood the, the symbolism of the, in the Old Testament. He would also, John would also have known about how that in the Maccabean times, the Israelites used the, that was on the coins of the, of the Maccabean times. It was the, the symbol of the vine. But here, as the Lord spoke, John is recalling how he spoke about the Lord Jesus as the true vine. The same as he spoke in, he wrote in John chapter 1 and verse 9, that the Lord Jesus was the true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. And so here, as, uh, as the Lord is speaking with his disciples, uh, he, un he doesn't sort of get into some deep theological, doctrinal discussion, as he knows it's only hours before he's going to die on the cross, and literally hours away, he starts, he talks to them in, a, in terms of a relationship. And so I'm just going to put up a, just a summary that, uh, of this chapter in John chapter 15. Jesus now, and this is by Don Carson, Jesus now focuses on the life, the fruitfulness, on prayer, witness, and opposition of his fault that his followers will experience in the interim period while he's away. And so as we come and we look in terms of the the vine and the branches, and we're looking at this, we're going to look at, I'm going to look at the first eight verses as about the intimacy of their relationship with the Lord. And then in 9 to 16, it's going to be talk about some of the pointers, what it means to maintain our intimacy with the Lord. I'm going to focus mainly on those, that 9 to 17 verses. And so here we find in right at the very beginning, the Lord talks about, I am the vine. And my father is the gardener. And in verse 5, he repeats, I am the vine, you are the branches. So as he explains this illustration. He talks in terms about the, the need for the, uh, the fact that he's going to be involved in pruning and the way in which they're going to be correcting this, the growth of this vine so that it would produce more fruit. And so he's, this is the, the illustration that's being used here. And he you know, he explained in verses 5 to 8 the, the makeup of the plant and the dependency of the, the branches. I am the vine, you are the branches. And the need to be remaining, abiding and keeping close to him. And one of the, the focus is that God is to be glorified in what's done. Think in terms of a, a farm. If you look out and you see a, a, you go on the countryside and you see this beautiful farm there with, a, with lots of grapevines growing, and you might think you might sort of think, boy, isn't that great to see that? You don't comment about the, the you comment about what the the farmer or the owner of the property has done, and that's the one. And in, a, in the same way, in as we live our Christian life, we are expected to produce fruit, and God is expected to get the glory for it. And, and that's what it fit, this, that's the idea that the Lord is talking to these people about here. And so he, I'm going to focus, as I said, mostly on verses 9 to 16, where there's some real pointers that what it means to, to maintain our, our intimacy with the Lord. In verse 9, it says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. And so in this, that's, it's sort of focusing on the fact that there's a relationship that existed and exists between God the Father and God the Son. And in the same way that God the Father loves God the Son, the Lord Jesus loves us as his disciples. And if you think about it in terms of the fact of the relationship that the Lord had with his Father, it says in John chapter 1 and verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, 
And the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. The, connection, the Lord had a relationship that goes back to the, the very beginning, to eternity past. And one of the, also the thing is that in relation to this, God is also love. Because in, in, in 1 John chapter 4 and verses 7 to 8, it says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. It's one of those parts of his nature. And also we find that the Lord, particularly at the Lord's baptism and at his transfiguration, he talks about my son whom I love or my beloved son. And the Lord God affirmed that on those occasions. It's not on, my, on, the, on the PowerPoint, but it goes up onto the screen. But also there's some other verses in, in John, in later on as he prays in John chapter 17. He talks about, Father, I want those who've given me to be with me where I am, to see my glory, the glory you've given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. So that love between God the Father and God the Son was there before the creation of the world. And so let's just sum up where, we, where, where I've said so far in, in the next uh, comment, on the next slide. The father is the gardener who cherishes the vine and the vine cherishes the branches. It is in this sense that the son is the mediator of the father's love. That's Don Carson's statement about this. And so here we find that what does the Lord expect of us as we're, in t- as we're going to ma- if we're going to maintain a relationship, if we're going to stay close to the Lord? What are some of the things that we need to do? Well, it's, it's pretty simple, isn't it? We need to obey what he tells us we need to be listening and not just hearing it but obeying it in verse 10 it says now remain in me in my love if you keep my commands you will remain in my love just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love if you go back into John chapter 14 it says if you love me you will obey what I command the illustration of the the shepherd good shepherd that we've already gone through and talked about you know his sheep here his voice and obey it that's what and uh, it says in john and i'll read some verses rather than i made a sort of a paraphrase of that but reading verses 20 john chapter 20, 10 and verses 27 and 28 my sheep listen to my voice i know them and they follow me i have given them eternal life and they shall never perish no one shall snatch them out of my hand and then goes in the last part of verse 21 no one can snatch them out of my father's hand i and the father are one and so here you know the whole thing that we needed to be making sure that we to if we're going to be abiding in the lord and and the, the phrase that's used in this verse is abiding in his love which is the same as i believe as as remaining in him or abiding in him it's the same sort of thing same concept we need to be obeying what he tells us to do. And of course, we need to be listening to the word of God. We need to be making sure that we're uh, spending time with God and, and reading his word and following his word and implementing his word in our life because that's the only way we can obey him. That's, the, that's the, the clearest voice that we can get from the Lord. Sure, along the way, God's going to speak to us and God is going to tell us things and God is going to guide us and God is going to direct us in our lives as well. And, uh, and through circumstances and other, other things and through the... The, you know, maybe through other Christians and through other people that they might, God might be guiding us. But essentially it's from the word of God that we get our guidance. 
And one of the things that comes out of that is, the, is, it, is I believe, the fruit of obedience is really his joy. Yeah? And, and joy, that's one of the things that we're going to experience. If we are going to be living for the Lord, in verse 11, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy might be complete. That's what he's, and that's what he's, the, the Lord's desire is for them. Over it, when Pe the Apostle Peter wrote about this as well, in chapter 1 and verse 8 of his, his epistle, Though you have not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible, glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. He's saying there's a deep sense of, of joy in knowing God. Now, I don't believe that joy is sort of just affected by the, just sort of reacting to the circumstances around us, but it's a deep sense of the, the joy of the Lord that's our strength, that's deep within us. And even though outwardly all of the circumstances might be negative and there might be all sorts of attack in all sorts of ways, we can know that the joy of the Lord deep down within our being, if we are living lives that are connected to the Lord and we're living in obedience to the Lord, we can have that deep sense of joy even though there be all sorts of turmoil and all sorts of stress and all sorts of things happening around us. And so this is what the Lord is, is saying. He's encouraging these people in and also here the Lord had all referred to peace in chapter 14 and verse 27. I peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. And so he'd already referred to the fact of peace. And it's in, isn't it ironical when you go to the fact of this, we talk about love and joy and peace are the first three that are mentioned in the fruit of the Spirit. And that's what I believe it means to be fruitful in the Lord is to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit and also to be fruitful in winning other people to the Lord Jesus. I don't think you believe it's one or the other. I believe it's, it can be both. And so he's encouraging these, his disciples here to, in, to the, the fact that they can know the deep abiding joy of the Lord that's there. And one of the things I believe that we need to be on our guard against is when circumstances occur in our life, it's easy to become resentful and, anger and, and angry, angry and bitter and, and really react to the situations. And if we're not connected to the Lord, to the, to the Lord in, that, in a way, that's how we may behave. If there's anger and bitterness and resentment in my heart, I need to pull myself up and say, well, Lord, what's, what am I, where have I, have I lost connection with you? Because I believe I will have. So if you find that you're becoming angry and reacting to the circumstances around you, just take some time out and ask the Lord, am I still connected to you? What is it that's causing me to do this? And to go back and ask the Lord to restore that, that joy of our salvation. And I believe that that's a, an ongoing process. It's not just something that's going to happen once for all. And of course, the, the other thing that, came, that, is, is, that comes through is that as the Lord's speaking with us, he reminds them about something that he'd already been talking to them about quite several times. He says, my command is this in verse 12, to love each other as I have loved you. John chapter 13 and 34 and 35, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so that you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, you have loved one for another. He'd already talk, told them about this. 
And so here he's, he's, he's reminding them this. It, it, a lot of the things that he's saying to these, to these disciples as he's talking about the, the vine and the branches and remaining connected and about abiding in his love, he's not giving them a lot of new information. He's reminding them some of the things that he's already said to them previously. And so here he's talking to them. And it's, isn't it sort of one of the things that I read was that the, the church is a body with many members. But a vine here is also, is there the vine, is we're connected to the vine, we're many branches. It's, a, it's not the same illustration, but he's using this illustration of saying, yes, be connected to me, you're, you're, you're the branches. It's sort of a sense in, another way, another, in some ways, another picture of what the church is like. And so he's reminding his followers that they, they need to be abiding in his love and remaining connected to him. And he goes on and he starts to talk in terms of his, this intimate relationship that he has with them. And he, start, he calls them his friends. Verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command. Now, we often in our hymns, we talk about what a friend we have in Jesus, don't we? But he's the Lord of glory, isn't he? He's our, you know, we're in that friendship relationship with him. And so, although we are friends, we don't take for we don't sort of assume and, and sort of uh, treat him with less reverence than what we should. You know, we've been delivered from the slavery of sin, and we become. It says in Galatians chapter four, because you are sons, God sent His Spirit. Because you are His sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba. Or father, and so we're, there's a our relationship with all this. It, it might be in this sense he's calling us friends, but also we're also the bond slaves of the Lord Jesus as well. That's what the Apostle Paul said when in Romans chapter one and verse one. And so although we are friends and we have this intimate friendship relationship with the Lord, we are there's it has our relationship. The Lord has a number of dimensions to it, and we need to always remember that we, He is the Lord of glory, and we are weak. Human, humans who've come to know him and have been import, become part of his family. Uh, There's a reference by Don Carson. I'm quoting Don Carson again. I've got a, a very a book that I just after I'd almost prepared the sermon, I picked up a book off my shelf that I'd forgotten I had, which was a series of messages by Don Carson on uh, John chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. And he calls about Jesus and, and his friends. That's the title of the book. And that's where some of these quotes have come from. And so the friend of Jesus is characterised by two things. A person who does what Jesus commands and he understands the revelation of God which Jesus has graciously revealed. That's, what he's refer that's what, how he understands this, the way this term friend is used in this, in this reference. And so here we find is that the, the vine is there. It's supporting and it's, in, it's in nourishing the branches. It enables the branches to bear fruit. But the branches are always dependent upon the vine. And so we need to keep coming back to that just to remind us, even though we might be Jesus' friends, we're friends with him, we are totally dependent upon him in every way. And one of the things that, next thing, one of the, one of the last things I'm going to mention this morning is the, the thing that he also highlights as he's talking with these disciples is the, the place for prayer. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. 
so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you it, give it to you. In, in John chapter 14, in, in verses 13 and 14, it says, And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. He'd already said that. So he's going back again and reminding them of things, reminding of things he'd already said. In, John, in verses 17, 7 and 8, it says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And so we can't emphasise enough the, the need for prayer. You know? We need to be praying in accord with the, what, what the Lord wants us, you know, what the Lord's name stands for. It's not just a, using as a little phrase at the end of a prayer, in the, we pray in the name of Jesus. But it's all that the Lord stands for. We pray in accord with that. And we're praying to seek God's glory. You know, and it's, this prayer is, is uttered consciously under the, the Lordship of Christ. In, in John, in, when he wrote his, to the, his epistle, he said in chapter 5 and verse 14, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what he asked, we have asked of him. And so we can come and we can ask things for the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I come to pray for something, I might not be sure how I should be praying. I'm saying, Lord, please guide me in directing how I should pray in relation to this matter. And, so, and, 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 sometimes, and at times the Lord will, will direct me in the way in which I was, and he does, he directs me in the way I should pray. Sometimes I might be praying for something, and so as I, the more I pray for this, suddenly the Lord changes, my, my prayer changes. It's, the Holy Spirit seems to be at work in, in changing me and guiding me to pray along, along a slightly different line. And that's what I believe it's all about in praying in his, in his name according to his will. When it's not just a matter of a, of a list of saying, yeah, the Lord's going to give us whatever we want. We know that's not true. But as we pray and as we spend time in prayer, we find that God will direct us where, how we should be praying in the, in, and the focus of our prayer. And so here, as the Lord is, he's talking with his disciples, he's, try, he's building up and he's building this, you know, giving them information so whereby they can, have, they can remain in him and so they can remain close to him. And so for us this morning, these are just some of the pointers that are there. I don't know, some of us here this morning may be feeling that the pressure of life is so overwhelming and we're feeling crushed and we need to reach out and, and find the Lord's help in that. Other of us may be really walking and rejoicing and, and finding victory in our Christian life. Others might have a mixture of both experiences of being pressure in this way, but uh, rejoicing in the Lord. But deep down we can know that abiding joy and peace in our hearts. And that's what the Lord wants if we're seeking to remain close to him, if we're remaining close to him. And so as we come to the end of our, our message this morning, he is the vine and we are the branches. Are you connected to him closely? The Lord expects to see fruit in our lives, the fruit of the Spirit. Sometimes it's a bit harder for us to gauge how we're going. Sometimes we, our, our emotions may not be an accurate guide how we're feeling about our own spiritual life. And so it's good sometimes to have other people that can give us feedback. But he expects to see fruit. He expects to see us loving one another. He expects to see prayerfulness in our lives. 
And so one of the things that I found great, a great help to me in, in my Christian life right from the time when I became a Christian just over 50 years ago, first time I, I was only a young Christian for a few months in the Lord and I went to a, camp, a youth camp and there were other young people the same age as me and I, I saw how some of the things that they were doing and the way in which their disciplines that they had in their spirit in their life, spending time in prayer and spending time reading the word of God and getting up early in the morning and spending time with the Lord and, and all that. Sort of, and, and so that was a real challenge to me. And so throughout my Christian life, I found it's really great to have other more mature Christians, a, a Paul, as I've put it here, to look to, to help me and to support me in my Christian life. I've also found that it's helpful to have a Barnabas, somebody that's on about the same level as myself, to help me, to support me. And also at the same time to have other people, the Timothys, that, other people that are growing, that, that are just starting out to help them. And so I believe one of the ways of keeping close to the Lord is to make sure you've got a Paul, a Barnabas, and a Timothy, and maybe several of those, several Pauls, several Barnabas, and several Timothys that, in our Christian life, but at least one anyhow that you can rely on so that when you are going through your struggles and when you're going through your hard, hard times, you've got somebody that you can rely on. Yes, the Lord's always there, I know that. But we need sometimes other believers that can be alongside us, that can support us, that have been through some of the same things that we've been through. And so we need to be making sure that we're staying close as branches in the vine, we're remaining connected to him. And I trust that, that, that what we've just looked at this morning will encourage each of us to, re, to resolve to do that more diligently. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, we want to thank you for the opportunity we've had to be together today. I want to thank you that you, the Lord Jesus gave us these words about him being the vine and we are the branches. We thank you that we're not left on our own, that he's there to help us and to support us. We thank you for the ministry of your spirit that's at work in our lives and we just want to praise you for that as well. And so as we go our separate ways today, may we live to your praise and to your glory. May the Lord Jesus be glorified in our lives. We ask it in his name. Amen.